Hello, everyone. Welcome back to What is a Podcast, the podcast that has taken a little bit of a break. And I know I have been not the most consistent recently. It hasn't been a steady diet of episodes like it was at one point. But you can blame, at least partially, you can blame PG&E, the Pacific Gas and Electric Company. I live in the Bay Area, which is Northern California. And PG&E has basically a monopoly on the energy around here. If you have electricity, if you have solar, if you have anything related to turning your fucking lights on, it basically traces back to PG&E. And if you're not caught up on the news, PG&E has been fucking up. But PG&E's fucking up now, but PG&E has been fucking up for years. Like, there's been fires for the past couple years around this time, like around October and then bleeding into November a little bit. There's been fires for a while and it can be directly linked, most of them, to PG&E. I remember there was like an explosion in Oakland, like a very tragic event in Oakland. That shit can be traced back to PG&E. PG&E has a history of fucking up, but now their fuck-ups are becoming like national news because they're cutting off people's power. They are cutting off people's power with very little warning. If we take it back to the beginning... I remember I was at work like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, right? I was at work and I work sort of into the night. So I wasn't home for most of the day. And I'm at work, I'm prepping. I work with students, so I'm prepping with students. And one of my coworkers is like, yo, there's a power outage in the East Bay. And I was like, what? And then they're like, yeah, PG&E is doing a planned power outage in the East Bay. That's what my coworker said. And at first I was like, cool. I live in the Bay, but I don't live in the East Bay. I live more north of that. So I'm like, cool. East Bay, it sucks for them, but I'm fine. Turns out they're doing the whole fucking Bay and even areas outside of the Bay cutting off people's power, right? That's how I found out about it. But I found out and people found out literally like five hours before it happened. Like they got barely any warning. I remember reading on Twitter, where I get most of my information, that PG&E was saying, they were kind of covering up saying that we gave them enough time or like people were warned in advance. No, they fucking weren't. We, they were warned the day of like a, only a couple hours beforehand. And the reason why they're running these power outages is because, and they might run more. I have power currently, but who knows when I won't have power But they said they were running these power outages to reduce the risk of fire. That's what they were saying. PG&E has been linked to fires in the past, so they're trying to reduce the risk of fire. Two things. One, I'm sure there's an easier way. There has to be a better way than cutting off power with very little notice. Because mind you, some people need electricity and they need power to fucking live. There has to be a better way to do that than to just randomly shut off power to a bunch of people. Two, you should be constantly updating your equipment, right? If you're in charge of getting energy and getting energy to a bunch of people, literally millions of people, you should be updating your equipment as much as possible. At least that's what I would think. The One of the big problems with PG&E is that their equipment sucks. 
Their equipment is really, really out of date and old. That's why they need to shut down these things because they're not giving the proper maintenance that they need to give. They aren't giving out energy in the best way they possibly can. But the shitty thing is I can't go to anyone else for my fucking energy. So we have to waste our time and money on this shitty energy. And another thing, there's still fires. These motherfuckers are trying to prevent fires and there's still fucking fires. There's still fires everywhere. I was, there was a fire in Vallejo. There was a fire in like San Ramon, I'm pretty sure. There was fires a little bit north. Sonoma County has fires. Like all these places have fires. These motherfuckers say we're trying to prevent fires. No, you're not. If you are, you're doing a shitty job because there's still fires fucking everywhere and it's just it's so insane to me to think that this company has so much power but uses it so poorly both literally and figuratively like you have so much power in the region and you can't run your company right it makes no sense to me you can't run your company at least somewhat efficiently and this hasn't happened like mass power outages haven't happened recently but every time something happens and it's PG&E's fault they run like an apology commercial they run this like my bad commercial it was our fault we'll try to do better that's what they do and they do it during big events like football games so like everyone sees these commercials like oh we're sorry and it's literally like The most annoying and depressing and fucking stupid ad that you could possibly run. Like somehow it's stupid, annoying, and depressing all at the fucking same time. And I'm like, what are they going to do this time? Because they cut off people's power. People are struggling. People are cleaning out their fridges. They're wasting their money on fast food because they have no energy in their refrigerator. There's still fires going out everywhere. None of the fucking stoplights work. Everyone is confused about the traffic laws because we all know that Californians aren't the best drivers in America. So what's going on here? What are you going to do to make up for it? And I'm thinking they're going to put another commercial out in 2020. That's all they're going to do. They're not going to fix anything. They're not going to actually try to be better. They're going to run another fucking annoying commercial during like the NFC championship game and it's going to suck and people are going to angrily tweet, but what can you do? What can you do? How do you overthrow an energy company? Like, can you even do that? Like you can overthrow governments, right? You can overthrow like your, a lot of things, but overthrow an energy company because like say, and I'm not recommending you do this, but say we storm the energy company. Say people storm the energy company and like take it over, right? None of us know how to work what they know how to work, right? Like even though the energy is shitty, I can't run PG&E. I can't give energy to all these people in my current state. How do you overthrow an energy company? At least with like government, right? If you overthrow a government, like all a government is is people. Like as long as you have people, you can have some type of government. It might be bad government or good government, But all government is at its core is people. With an energy company, you need to know all the energy shit. You need to know the solar power. You need to know the the cables. You need to know the electricity. You need to know like weather shit. 
So unless we have a whole bunch of STEM majors overthrowing PG&E, which I don't think they're going to do, we're, we're, we're stuck with PG&E in its current state. And I don't think that this is going to change anytime soon. I think PG&E is going to keep on fucking up. And it is honestly like, if you consider moving because of PG&E from the Bay, and I love the Bay. I've spent the majority of my life in the Bay Area. I, I like it here. There's lots of great places here, lots of great people here. Of course, we have our problems. But if you say I have to move because I can't trust PG&E, I think that's a valid reason to move somewhere else. Like distrust of PG&E at this point has been years now of fires and evacuations that can be tied back to PG&E. If you say these fires are getting out of hand, PG&E isn't doing anything about it. I have to move. I can't blame you, right? Like, that's your call. That's your safety. Like, thankfully, like, I live, I've lived pretty close to some fires. I'm not too far from Sonoma. I'm not too far from Napa. So I've seen the smoke and the air quality. And right now, the weather, I'm looking outside the weather. The weather's pretty nice right now. But you never know. Like, you never know when the next fire is going to be. And now we have this weird, like, uneasiness like, because they didn't shut off everyone's power. They shut off, like, a strategic amount of power. And most of the people who didn't have power were either lower income or live in, like, a more, I don't know, less developed area, more rural area, area with more plants and shit. But they strategically cut off power. But when they did that, like, you never know if you're next. It could be, like, just a wave of power outages. You never know what their process is. You don't know if you have power one day. Does that mean you'll have power the next? You don't know when it's coming back on. It's just a huge sense of uneasiness like that goes around you. And driving around, I was driving the other day when the power was out. And like, even in the city I was in, like parts of the city had power and parts of the city don't have power. And when the city doesn't have power, that means the stoplights don't have power, right? Nothing has any type of power. So I'm driving in an area that has power. And then all of a sudden, I hit a section of the city that does not have power, right? And it just turned from a regular city to a ghost town. Like, the stoplights are dead. Like, none of the signs are lively. It was like there was no people. It, like, took the life out of that section of the city was very uneasy. And I remember physically, like everyone around me, like once you got to the no power section, like everyone started driving slower. It was like, what's going on here? It was this weird sense of uneasiness. And then you get back into a power section, but then you're like, okay, I have power now, but as I'm driving, I need to be careful because the power could go out at any moment. I'm not trying to crash my car because I ran a red light that's not really a red light, but it is a red light or it is a stop sign because there's no power. Like that, it was just, it's just awful. It's just awful. And by the way, connected to all this, if you live in the Bay Area and you don't believe in climate change, how fucking stupid are you? I'm, I mean, I don't mean to like insult people like their intelligence, at least not too much. But how can you see, we're in November, I'm recording this on November 2nd, and it is like sunny outside. It wasn't always like this. 
it wasn't always sunny in November in this way. Like, November is chilly. I can't remember the last time it rained. It didn't rain at all in October. I don't think it rained at all in September either. When was the last time it rained in the Bay? I, I literally cannot remember the last time it rained. And October, it started off kind of cool and it was so hot. Why was it 90 degrees in October? Why is it like 70 degrees in November? Make that make sense. It was, it's never been like this. November is a cold month, traditionally. Yes, I live in California. Yes, it doesn't snow where I live. But it's always been cold. There's always been rain. It's always been like jacket weather. What's going on here? And part of the reason for the fire are these huge winds. Like We don't have winds like that. There was, it was winds that could knock over a fucking small dog the past few weeks. What is going on? With this weather, why is it so fucking hot outside? If you can't see like how unseasonably warm it is and not see how many fires are starting and not think, huh, maybe the weather is fucked up. Like, are you thinking about, are you critically thinking about how all these things are connected? There didn't used to be fires. These fires at this time in this area were non-existent. It wasn't fire in October. The past couple Octobers, I would say like at least two or three years now, these fires didn't exist. I didn't, I would never in my life lived in concern of fire. I never in my life was like, oh, there might be a fire at this time of the month. I need to be careful. I need to have, you know, my provisions in place. I need to make sure that I know what I'm doing. I never had that concern. My family has never had a fire concern until now. How do you not see that is climate, the weather, all these things, it's changing. We need to do something about it. Gre- What's her name? Greta Thunberg? Thunberg? She, she might be on to something. How do you not believe in that shit? Especially if you're living here in the Bay Area where you can literally see before your eyes how the shit has changed and how shit has gone so poorly in the month of October, and maybe even November, and I love October, October is my favorite month for multiple reasons, but in terms of these fires, and this smoke, and this air quality, like, come on, come the fuck on, you you have to know better than that, but anyway, oh, I just had a little bit of trouble swallowing some water, but Enough yelling about PG&E and the weather. Um, Let's talk about something a little bit more calm, like sports. Um, The World Series is over. I wanted to do something in the middle of the baseball playoffs. I wanted to have at least one episode out, but that shit didn't happen. Um, But yeah, the World Series is over, and it was a good World Series. It went seven games. All games won by the road team, which was fun. The Nationals won, who is one I wanted to win. I wanted the Nationals to win. I'm always down for a team that's never won before to win. If you're in the playoffs somehow and you've never won a championship, I'm going to root for you more often than not. The only time I'm not going to root for you is if it's like a rival of the team I like. But I'm here for, you know... The, the underdogs winning, I'm here for people winning for their first time 
all that shit, right? And the Nationals won, which is good. And the Nationals have people I like. They have Howie Kendrick, they have Ryan Zimmerman, Kurt Suzuki, Steven Strasburg. Like, they had a lot of players I like. The Astros have players I like too, but we'll get into the Astros in a minute. And, you know, they had clutch performances. Anthony Rendon was amazing. Juan Soto is quickly launching himself to superstardom, which is fun to see. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about this idea of clutch Specifically, not with the Nationals or the Astros, but with the Dodgers, who is my least favorite team. I do not like the Dodgers. But I remember when the Dodgers were still in it and they lost to the Nationals, people were complaining about Clutch because Clayton Kershaw, one of the best regular season pitchers, he was a dud in the postseason as he typically is. And I remember seeing a lot of arguments saying like, you can't coach Clutch. You can't coach Clutch. You have to put your best guys out there when it's game time. And baseball is different than like football or basketball. But baseball, I think you absolutely can still coach clutch because the Major League Baseball postseason, while it is essentially at this point because of the wild card, like sort of like randomizing the champions, like we haven't had a repeat champion in baseball for quite some time. Like we haven't had a back-to-back winner in at least in like over 10 years because Ever since 2009, when the Yankees won, it's been a different team every year. Um, so, but it just seems to me that you absolutely can clo- coach clutch because Major League Baseball postseason, the name of the game is bullpen management. Whoever manages the bullpen the best typically wins. Sometimes there's this crazy things, but I like I'm a Giants fan. Bruce Bochy, who's known for you know, being a bullpen master, like being able to accurately and concisely use his bullpen. He won three championships when he had a decent bullpen. Of course, that last championship, he leaned on Madison Bumgarner, maybe too much, but using your bullpen, knowing who your guys are, knowing who has a confidence in that situation to get the inning that you need, get a scoreless inning, that's what you need to do. You need to know your guys, right? And if you have Clayton Kershaw, you have a Hall of Fame player, but they're not ready in that situation, in baseball, it's very easy to just take them out of the game and put someone else in. Like, it's very easy to take out Clayton Kershaw and put, like, a Rich Hill type in. But Dave Roberts, manager of the Dodgers, didn't do that. He put Clayton Kershaw in because Clayton Kershaw is the Hall of Fame name. But he might not be confident in the postseason. And I feel like you have to know your guys. You absolutely can coach clutch. And you absolutely can put the right people in the right place. Of course, baseball is a lot due to like timing and a lot due to chance. And a, sometimes a timely error or something like that. But I just feel like that argument was dumb to me. You didn't have to... When the Dodgers lost, it, they lost because... Clayton Kershaw gave up a home run, and then Joe Kelly gave it up. And I like Joe Kelly. He went to the same university as I did. But Joe Kelly was in there for way too long as well, Dave Roberts. But you didn't have to put Kershaw out there for that long. You didn't have to put Joe Kelly out there for that long. So it's like, what you absolutely can coach clutch. You have millions of people in your bullpen. you got to use them effectively. And now 
coming back to the World Series when we had a lot of bullpen use, we had a lot of starters being used, we had Max Scherzer and Zach Greinke in Game 7 both pitching their games of their lives in different ways. Max Scherzer battling through injury and Zach Greinke just shutting everyone down. And I was, you know, I was actually listening to half the game on the radio because I was driving home. But that, like listening to the announcers just talk about how Granky was dissecting and how Max Serger was getting in and out of trouble and keeping the game close. Like that was fun to listen to. I didn't get to watch it, unfortunately. But when you have that and you have all these elements, it's like, yes, you know your guys. Max Scherzer, they could have easily went with someone else. But you know Max Scherzer, he wants this moment, and he's going to go after it. He's going to get it. And on the other side, A.J. Hinch, like you see your guy, Zach Granke, rolling. And he took out Zach Granke a little bit too early and went to the bullpen. And the bullpen got lit up by the Nationals. So it all depends on taking your guy at the right time and putting the right people in at the right time. But it was a fun World Series. It was definitely fun. Um, And the last thing I want to talk about since baseball is over, and this is, I guess, old news, but I think it's still worth talking about, or this point, I think, is still a point worth making. Um, When it comes to Brandon Taubman and the Houston Astros, if you haven't heard, Brandon Taubman was being an asshole, being misogynist, and he got fired because of it. Um, But really, you can look up a lot of this stuff. I don't want to rehash this but what I want to say the Houston Astros have been heavy on analytics been heavy on numbers and a lot of guys in their front office their general manager did not come from a baseball background right and they're using analytics they're using all these other methods to get these players and it worked for them in 2017 when they won the World Series right I just want to say and this is I think it applies to everyone Just because you're good at something, just because you're smart, being smart is not everything. And especially if you think you're so fucking smart. Being smart is not everything, especially in sports. Yes, you need to know stats, you need to know who matches up well against who. But also, be a people person. You need a people people. You need people people in your front office or in your clubhouse. You need that. Being smart and doing everything by the numbers is not everything. And I think Brandon Taubman and the Nash, or I'm sorry, the Astros for an office, I think they showed why in the way they handled the Brandon Taubman situation. I think you need people, people somewhere in your organization. And it seems like the only people person they had was their manager, AJ Hinch, who is a fine manager. He's a good, a good manager for what I can tell, but... You need more people, people. That's all I got to say about that. Um, But anyway, I want to talk about sports still because I was just riled up from, from PG&E and I was yelling so much. But the NFL, the NFL is like halfway through the season. And the NFL has been, it's been all right. I think there's been some exciting moments and Tom Brady is looking, you know, a little less than the Tom Brady of old, but still invincible somehow. Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, um, like all these quarterbacks are playing well. And then there's, you know, some bad quarterbacks as well. But those guys are playing well. Kyler Murray has exceeded my expectations. We have Gardner Minshew just being himself. 
We have a lot of a lot of good play. The Raiders are decent. I'm a Raiders fan, so saying that the Raiders are decent is, you know, a win for me. Um, but yeah, the NFL the NFL has been alright. Um I'm not sure about these halftime shows and I don't like Thursday night football pretty much ever, but I had an idea about the NFL, about Thursday night football. And I tweeted it and one of my friends was like, No, this is a bad idea. But I had this idea, and I think it's relevant with the Patrick Mahomes situation. If you don't know, Patrick Mahomes played on Thursday night, hurt himself, and Patrick Mahomes is one of the best players in the league. That's all you need to know. But I was thinking, similar to like maybe like an opener in baseball, right? If I play on a Thursday night game, and Thursday night games are notorious for having a lot of injuries because the recovery time isn't the same as if you're going from Sunday to Sunday as it is going Sunday to Thursday. You have less time, right? So people get injured a lot during Thursday night football. And I'm thinking, this is my idea, if I have a good quarterback but also a good backup, say my backup quarterback who usually doesn't play ever, but if I have a decent backup, a backup I can put a little bit of trust in, why not... For the Thursday night game, to prevent my main guy, my star quarterback, from getting injured, just have my backup play the Thursday night game. I mean, I don't think people will do that anytime soon because the NFL is a money business and people want to see these big-name quarterbacks. But if I don't want my quarterback to get hurt, I put my backup out there. My backup has had plenty of rest because he never gets into the game, so he doesn't have any wear and tear from the season. My backup can do decent if I have a solid backup. This this doesn't work if you have no trust in your backup. But my backup plays Thursday night football. If the game goes out of hand, like if you know you start losing and your backup isn't cutting it, then you put your starter back in maybe at halftime or something. But I think that might be a good way. Like have your backup prepare for the Thursday night game. Your Main guy plays the rest of the games, but your backup is, you know, in the Thursday night game, he's rested, less of a chance for him to get hurt, less of a chance for your star quarterback to get hurt, and if you lose, yeah, it's one game that you lost, but, (sighs) excuse me, I had to yawn, Jesus, but if you win, it's fun to talk about, if you're competent, it's fun to talk about, and I think with the NFL, it's mostly about injuries Thursday than anything. Injuries, I think, are more important than winning and losing on Thursday night football. If you lose a Patrick Mahomes, if you lose your star player during, you know, week, whatever week it is on Thursday night, and you don't have them for a couple weeks, that sucks, right? Why prevent at least one of the more important positions, quarterback, if you can prevent your starting quarterback from getting injured, why not do it? And of course, like, scheme is a, a big deal in the NFL. And the criticism I got from this idea was that you have to prepare for a scheme and different quarterbacks have different skill sets, which is true. But I think, and I'm not an expert on the NFL, if you know ahead of time that you're going, like a couple weeks ahead of time, that you're going to use your backup in Thursday night, you can have your backup, you know, study film, for weeks on this team, just the one specific 
Thursday team that they're going to play. And then for a week, you you make a game plan. You have a scheme maybe that fits both of your quarterbacks, especially if your quarterbacks are similar. Yeah, just throw the guy out there. Throw him out there. Throw your backup out there. Let it see what he can do for this terrible Thursday night game that causes people to get injured. Like, I haven't watched a single Thursday night game this year just because I don't like watching injuries and, like, I don't like watching bad football. Like, the first game of the NFL season, like, the game that kicked off everything, that was a shitty football game. It was boring. Lots of incomplete passes and holding penalties. Like, we need a better product from that. Otherwise, the NFL actually makes you go to sleep. The NFL is actually boring when it's just a defensive game or when there's lots of penalties. It's really, it's not a great product to watch. When you have at least some offense or like at least like some interceptions or something, then it becomes more fun to watch. But all in all, it's we'll, we'll see. I don't know if you, my idea is good or not. I think it could work. Some people think it can't. But let me know what you think, if you even care. Um, but anyway basketball is starting and hockey and all those things but basketball the nba is going to be wild and especially because the warriors suck now steph curry got hurt yesterday or the day before clay thompson isn't going to be back from a while so the warriors have draymond green and d'angelo russell trying to lead a squad of squajibis to some type of 8C playoff spot. But yeah, the Warriors are not good right now. And being from the Bay Area, being a Warriors fan, you're used to getting your ass beat, right? Like, if you've been a Warriors fan for at least 10 years, you're used to getting your ass beat. You know what it feels like to get blown out. You know what it feels like to get embarrassed by, you know, your team sucking. But now it feels different, right? We have a brand new stadium in San Francisco. While it is very nice, it's also in the back of everyone's mind like a symbol of gentrification in San Francisco, which is weird. But it's a nice stadium. You're coming off, you know, your dynastic run, but you suck. Kevin Durant left. Your best players are injured. What what are you going to do? And you're used to getting your ass beat, but not like this. Most of us are used to getting our ass beat, but we haven't gone from a period of being so good to going back to being sorry. And that's what we are right now, is we were so good, we were on top of the world, and now we're in hell again. And that's what the next couple months are going to be, unless Steve Kerr can scheme up something, and Steve Kerr can make something happen, make some magic happen, and we go on some we-believe type run, but... I don't think the Warriors are making the playoffs. And that's sad to say. But this used to be what the Warriors were. If you remember, the Warriors used to be, you know, kind of a laughing stock. But the Warriors didn't have a brand new stadium to fill. It's weird, you know, going to your new stadium, going to your brand new arena, coming off a dynasty and putting a shitty product in that brand new arena. It's like, Buying a brand new crock pot and then slow cooking a piece of shit. <laughs> That's what it is. And, you know, it's weird, but it, it, it might work out. It might, it might work out eventually. 
But right now, you know, we're just getting our ass beat and getting our ass beat again and getting our ass beat again. And, you know, this will build character for some of the young guys on the team. But it's going to take a couple of ass beatings. And maybe we'll have some people who could become fan favorites like this Jordan Poole guy or someone else who will become a fan favorite and stick with us through the shitty times. And then when we get kind of good again, they'll be a fan favorite and lead us on a playoff run. That's, I think, the best case scenario in this case. But, you know, the Warriors and this money and this, you know, twinge of gentrification, it's all going to take some time getting used to. This new arena, the Chase Center, is going to take some time getting used to. And just to wrap this up, I'm very sad. I mean, I'm a Raiders fan. I'm a Warriors fan. I'm not an A's fan. But I wanted every team that was in Oakland to stay, even though I wasn't a fan of the A's, right? Every team in Oakland should have stayed in Oakland. I felt like Oakland deserved the teams that it had. And now they only have the A's, and the A's, I think, are doing their best to stay. Who knows? But I think that Oakland deserves teams. If Oakland isn't going to have, you know, a football team, if Oakland isn't going to have a basketball team, of course, the Warriors are the whole Bay Area's team, but if they're not going to have a football team, if they're not going to have a basketball team, like San Jose has the Bay Area soccer team, I don't know what other sporting event you could put there. A WNBA team. I think maybe have the Bay Area WNBA team. I think that might be the move. Um, And put the WNBA team, you know, right next to the A's. And have the same type of dynamic. And I think people in the Bay would fuck with WNBA. I think they would. WNBA is rising in popularity. And the Bay Area needs a team. And then we don't have to root for Seattle anymore. But I think that's a move. We, Oakland needs a team, and I think Oakland would support a team, a WNBA team, a soccer team, whatever they want to do. I don't think they're putting a soccer team, because I think they just expanded to Sacramento, so the Oakland soccer team, probably not. Jeez, oh, oh, sorry, I'm yawning all the time, but I think they would support a WNBA team, for sure. That's just my legislation. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but maybe. But anyway, enough about that. Let's talk about me. Because I'm interesting. You all know that. Um, But yeah, Halloween was a couple days ago. Like two days ago. And I dressed up for Halloween for the first time in like probably six years. Like I've had like costumes where like I didn't really have to dress up. Like, where someone's just wearing a white shirt, and I just wear a white shirt, and I'd say that I'm that guy. But this year, I went a little bit further than usual. I was, you know, just minding my own business, and I passed one of those pop-up Halloween stores, and I was like, you know what? Let's see if they have a blonde wig. I go in there, buy a blonde wig, and I decide to be Reese Witherspoon for Halloween. And if you don't know what I look like, I am um, an African-American. And I I have some features that I think resemble Reese Witherspoon. And if you really look hard enough, you can see the Reese Witherspoon in me. But it's still funny to tell people that I'm dressed as Reese Witherspoon and just have like a blonde wig on, right? So I do that. I buy a wig. I go out on the town. I go to work in the wig. I'm in public in the wig. And 
I got such a good response, like on Instagram, on Twitter, on, you know, my real life. I got such a good response from a Halloween costume that I put almost zero effort into. And it's weird because like, I don't like Halloween in that way. Like, I don't like dressing up. I'll probably never be the guy that goes all the way full out for my costume Unless it's something like I become a celebrity and I'm sort of expected to. But I don't really like dressing up in that way. I don't like candy that much either. And I'm not into like the fake spookiness that a lot of people put on for Halloween. But I think I'm starting to get the appeal. Like people complimented me on my costume. People said they like my costume. I was like getting a lot of, you know, good feedback and it felt good to get good feedback on a costume. I can't really explain it properly because I don't think I've ever had this feeling before. Like when I was a kid in like elementary school, I would have costumes, right? But no one really cared about my costume and my disdain for Halloween showed at an early age. I used to go and I would just put on like this little fake Raiders jersey I remember it was Kerry Collins when Kerry Collins played for the Raiders. I would put on a Kerry Collins jersey and just like a mask and say I'm evil Kerry Collins, right? And that's what I would do. And that took like no effort. And as the years went by, like once I got to middle school and high school, like dressing up for Halloween just was like, I would never do that in my life. And now I'm at a point where I just wanted to have some fun. And people thought it was fun and people liked my costume and that just felt really, really good. Like, I normally just pass out candy with no costume. Or I would use Halloween as, like, an excuse to wear a hat to work. Like, I would just wear, like, a baseball jersey I already had and just put on a hat and say I'm a baseball player. But I wouldn't really dress up. Like, I don't consider that dressing up. I consider that an excuse. This was me actually putting time into creating some type of persona that is me mixed with Reese Witherspoon, and that was, you know, it was a hit. It was a hit, and I think I might do something similar next year. I don't, I'm not gonna go out all out. I'm not ready for that yet, but, and I don't even know what came over me. I just was, like, passing by the store, and I was like, let's fucking do it, but I think it's, it might be worth it. I think I might put on another character next year, some other celebrity, preferably a white woman, because that makes it funnier, because I am an African-American male. But I just wanted to share that. I think I kind of like Halloween now, at least some parts of it. I like the response I get. I guess it's a selfish reason, right, to say that I like Halloween because people complimented me on my costume, but it felt good. Like, I think I'm allowed to have something like that. I'm, I think I'm allowed to say on that one day, I'm allowed to be a little bit selfish. I spent money on a wig. I had the courage to wear this blonde wig in public, despite what people might say about me. I think I have the right to be like, yo, I did something cool. This felt good. People liked it. And because people like it, I like it. I think that's a fine thing to say. You know, don't come for me for that. But anyway, more about this, more about me, more about my life. I've been doing some stuff on Instagram recently, and it really started because Instagram took away my music feature. Like Instagram, like they had like a button. I don't know if I've talked about this on this platform before, but Instagram on their stories had 
a button where you can play music off of. And for some reason, they took that button away from me. So now I can't use music in my story. And what I've done, like sort of subconsciously, but I think that's like where it originates from, is I've been doing a lot more of like me, just like talking to the camera, showing what I'm doing, or coming up with different jokes or different bits. And people have seemed to like it, right? I've been getting like, like sometimes people will laugh or they'll respond to it or things like that. But what was weird was, or it wasn't weird, it was just funny to me, was that I got a DM the other day. It was like, please make a YouTube channel. Like, yo, you are good at whatever you're doing. Make a YouTube channel and post this on YouTube instead of Instagram. And they have a point, right? Like the energy I'm putting into an Instagram video could better serve me on YouTube because YouTube has a better chance to, you know, be seen, go viral, make you some money, all those things, right? But the, th- the funny shit is, is I already have a YouTube channel, right? And I, like, and I didn't tell this person that I had a YouTube channel. I just sort of left it because, one, if I tell her I already had a YouTube channel and then she sees that it gets, like, two views per video, then she'd be like, oh, maybe this YouTube thing isn't for you. Maybe I overestimated you. And two, it's just, like, I don't know. I feel weird about promoting myself to people that I already know. Like, I'm fine. I made a a Twitter account for my podcast specifically. And I'm fine promoting myself on that. But I don't like promoting myself on my own shit. I don't want to promote myself on my personal shit. I feel like I'd rather tell a joke on my Twitter or tell a joke on my Instagram than plug myself. If I plug myself, it would have to be in a funny way, right? And it was weird, like, please make a YouTube channel. And I was like, okay, if I do this again, it'll go on YouTube. Because I was doing something ridiculous. But I was like, if I do it again, it'll go on YouTube. And then I posted something completely different. She DMs me again. Definitely make a YouTube. You need to do this. Like, this is your passion. This is where you need to go in life. And it's like, you know, I made a YouTube channel, like, two and a half years ago, and I haven't had success, I'm still doing it and I still like it. I haven't made a video in a long time because of reasons, but it's like, is this really what I need to be doing? Like, is it really like where my goal is or where I can be the most successful? I don't know. I just thought that was was funny, like people seeing something in you. And I've seen this in myself to, to an extent, but people seeing it in you and thinking that you can do it, but then the stuff to actually materializing actual success takes more than just someone believing in you, right? It takes some, like, the work to be put in. And it did, it does give me, you know, hope, right? That people, like, with this podcast, with a YouTube video, with anything, right? It, what I value more than, like, a view or more than lots of views is that I made someone's day better, that I made something that people enjoy right because even making an instagram story posting an instagram story making a youtube video making a tweet like you have the potential to just like annoy people you have a potential to piss people off you have potential to make people think less of you so if you can not annoy people if you can make people's day if you can teach them something if you can make them laugh make them smile brighten them up just a little bit Like, that's a success. 
even if it's one person or if it's a thousand people or a million, whether it's on Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook, if you brighten someone's day, that's a success. And putting yourself out there is a potentially scary thing, right? So even if, and it, I have more than one person, not to brag, but I have like more than one person who will compliment me on things, but it just gives you a little bit of, you know, a little jolly jollies inside, little jollies in your stomach, right? But, you know, I'm I'm still doing the U- the YouTube thing. It's just been, you know, it's been hard recently to find time to film something. And I've noticed that like the longer you take from it is like, what do I actually want to do when I come back to it? And like, what type of video would I actually make? I want to do like book reviews and I want to talk about books and stories a little bit more. But in order to review a book, you have to read the book, which is going to take longer. Um, and I want I have some other ideas, but we'll see how it goes. This podcast is on YouTube, actually. Um, so you can go look at it and you can watch it there if you want. I know that YouTube isn't the ideal place for podcasts necessarily, at least not purely audio. Like if it was a video and I was like actually filming myself rather than just recording myself, then yeah, watch that shit on YouTube. But I'm just like talking. I look like shit right now. I'm wearing just a dirty white shirt, dirty gray shorts, socks that are dirty as well. I smell bad. I didn't take a shower last night. Like you don't want to see this right now. But like I think that you know YouTube still it has a potential to get out there and it has the potential for someone to see it, right? So I put it on YouTube anyway. But anyway, enough about my social media habits. Enough about that. But more shit about me. I'm 25. I think the last time I recorded the podcast, I was 24. I turned 25 in October. I'm 25 now. And being 25 is it feels mostly the same as 24 like I feel mostly the same the thing is is that I am no longer like young enough to justify being stupid like when you're like 22 23 like you're and you're just out of college like people will give you like some of the benefits right like oh you're still figuring things out right and in reality we are all figuring things out but and we're figuring things out all the time as we get older but I feel like people will give you like up until 23 to be an idiot, right? And then 24 hits and you're sort of in that middle stage. But by 25, like your being, your idiot threshold is almost at a maximum. And people expect you to operate in a different way. And I've had people talk to me about grad school. Like I've had people talk to me about graduate school since I graduated from college, which is kind of annoying. But I see those like, what are you doing with your life? What are you, when are you going back to school? Do you want to go back to school? Please go back to school. I've seen that like ramp up more and more and more when I become 25 and that sucks. <laughs> I don't want to be like saved by grad school. I'm not ruling out grad school because I think grad school has benefits and I would like to go be in that environment And I think I could thrive in that environment, but I don't want grad school to be like, just like, oh, this is going to protect me from me, or this is going to help me not, you know, explore other things just because I'm in grad school. I don't want that to be me. I don't know if I'm 
articulating that properly, but it's like, I don't want to have to go to grad school, if that makes sense. I don't want to need a master's degree to be successful. If I get a master's degree, I want it to be because I wanted to and not because other people are telling me. And yes, advice is good, but grad school is such a commitment and such a financial commitment as well that I want it to be for me. I want to be truly what I want to do and what I want to study and where I want to go. And I don't want to be like saved by just a random grad school. Not shitting on any program or anything because every program is fine in their own ways. There's not like shitty graduate school really, but... Yeah, I just don't want that to be like a safety net. I'd rather have it be like something to help me grow or help me move to a new place or like be some type of transition to the next stage in my life. I don't want it just to be like, oh, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to apply to grad school. That's what I don't want. And I feel like people are sort of like leaning me in the way that I don't want. So I'm like sort of pushing back against that. And there's also just like the impending doom of a quarter life crisis. I haven't had my quarter life crisis yet. I've been 25 for less than a month. But I feel like sometime between now and 2020, and I'm going to be like, what the fuck is going on in my life? And what am I trying to do? And what am I going to do? And paying taxes and like new jobs and like benefits and health insurance. And I'm just going to have like, a few days of just like nothing and I'm going to be sad and I don't want those days to come. I don't want that like three day to a week stretch of quarter life crisis, but I know what's going to come. I know that shit's going to happen and you know, being scared of it probably isn't the right way to go. It's probably like, you know, I need to get through this so I can level up because 25 I feel like is a leveling up year and 25 is a major birthday And then the next major birthday is 30, right? 30 is another leveling up year. And yes, everyone's on their same, on a different path. And not everyone levels up at the same rate. Some are faster, some are slower, some are in the middle. But I feel like for me personally, this is a year where I need to shake things up. And I feel like in my desire to shake things up, I'm going to have some type of quarter life crisis, which is going to be incredibly sad and lonely and nothingness. And that's just something I'm going to have to deal with. I'm predicting it right now. But anyway, I want to wrap this up soon. Uh, I usually try to get to an hour, but I'm feeling like getting back. I want to ease my way back into it. And I want to end on this. I want to end on the N word. And you might be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you ending on the N-word? The N-word is one of the worst possible words that you can end on, right? I There's been a lot of conversation on Twitter, on Instagram, I've seen about the N-word and about non-black people using the N-word. And I, I have feelings about the N-word. Being an African-Americans, I have feelings about the N-word and I'm allowed to have my feelings on the N-word. And I believe that you should not say the N-word if you are not black. If you are not black, you shouldn't be saying that word, right? Just like there are certain words I cannot say because I'm not a part of certain groups, right? But at the same time, growing up how I did, growing up where I did, pretty much everyone in middle school and high school for me, everyone said the N-word. Asians, Latinx, some white people, not all the white people, but some, 
Pacific Islanders, Indians, Middle Eastern, everyone said it, right? And I live in a diverse place and everyone was saying it, middle school and high school. And to my knowledge, like pretty much everyone that I knew, black or otherwise, was pretty much cool with it at that time. But now, black people that I know from high school and middle school are not cool with it and I'm not cool with it either. But I have no choice in my life right now but to assume that you've all said it in the past, right? All of you, I am assuming, have said it in the past. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what race you are. I don't care, you know, where you, what you believe in or whatever it is. I have to assume that all of you have said the N-word in the past. So I don't have the space for me personally. I can't get mad at you saying the N-word when you were in middle school and high school. But I do think that you have the responsibility to learn now to not say it. And if you're in middle school or high school right now, stop saying it. But if you said the N-word five years ago, I can't get mad at you for that. Because at that time, when I was in high school, at that time, I would have let you say it, right? So now, now that I wouldn't let you say it, I have a responsibility to check you now. But I can't get mad if some other like n-word pops up from the past if you said the n-word in 2012 i'm off that i can't get mad at something like that because growing up in 2012 when i graduated high school a lot of people were saying it some people my friends some people not my friends so i can't really be mad at that past n-word i can get mad at your current n-word usage and i think we all have the responsibility to, to learn the history behind words and why you should or should not say certain things right and I think that you shouldn't say it if you're not black now. But I'm not in the business of quote unquote canceling people for high school or middle school N-words. At least not anymore. And I only focus now on what you're doing now. But I think I have no choice but to assume that everyone has said the N-word at one point. No matter what race you are. And that might be wrong of me to assume. But I feel like operating in that way will reduce my disappointment right, in you. If I know you and you don't say the N-word anymore, you're an adult, you don't say the N-word, you're fine, you're a functioning member of society, that's fine. And if I see a young person now, and I think young people now are sort of more on the up and up about these things, I'll tell a young person now not to say the N-word. But if you're old and you said the N-word in the past, I can't get mad at you. I would have let you say it back then. So I can't get mad at you for doing it then. But I can get mad at you if you say it today on November 2nd, 2019. And I think operating that on the basis that everyone has said it and hopefully people have learned from their mistakes, I feel like that's the best way to go for it right now. Maybe it's not and maybe I'll refine this over time. But I feel like that's how I'm at right now. And that's where I'm going to stay at least for the next little bit longer. But anyway... I think I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you for listening to what is a podcast. Um, sorry for the delay, but you can blame PG&E. In fact, I'm going to blame all my problems on PG&E. Like literally all of them. Every single problem I have right now, starting from like beginning of October to the rest of 2019, any problem I occur, that's PG&E's problem. They caused it. And that's what you can blame for the delay. Again, I'm still working on trying to find time to consistently do these things and hopefully I'll figure out some balance between my real life 
and this hobby of mine, which is podcasting, YouTubing. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening all the way through. I appreciate you. Um, follow me wherever you want to follow me. This podcast has its own Twitter account at what is a underscore podcast. Um, but yeah, thanks for for everything. Thanks for thanks for believing in the podcast. Love you. Have a good rest of your day or night or whatever, wherever you live. Have a good time and please be safe. Thanks. Bye.